Hello, and welcome to another edition of Artists on Artists. It's the Glass Tire Podcast, where we have one-on-one conversations with artists and art professionals across the state. I'm your host, Christopher Blay, news editor at glasstire.com. For this episode, we're having a conversation with Bernardo Valerino, the Fort Worth-based artist who is also the inaugural Nasher Public Artist. Nasher Public is a year-long public art initiative that gives access to public art by North Texas artists at the Nasher and throughout the greater Dallas community. Um, Bernardo is presenting Pedacitos de Paz, or Little Bits of Pieces, which combines installation with video and addresses the persistence of violence in our society. The central element, hundreds of white ribbons looped in the style of advocacy movements and installed as a pile on a table, speaks to the sentiments of thoughts and prayers. Pedacitos de Paz will continue to grow as a body of work as long as the violent issues that spurned it into being persist. This is my second interview with Bernardo. It was it uh, 2016, I believe, was when we last had a conversation about your work. Correct. So, uh, welcome, Bernardo. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We are standing and socially distanced in your exhibition at the Nasher Sculpture Center. Uh, it is part of the Nasher Public Initiative, and this is the inaugural uh, exhibition, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Uh huh. Yeah, tell me uh, what we're looking at right now. What you're looking at is a very simple installation. You're looking at a desk with a magnifying glass that has a light to it, and a whole bunch of ribbons that have been tied into this uh, kind of, uh, you know, the boat that you would tie for a. Uh, like a commemorative ribbon? Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. Like for cancer or for any other cause, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a whole bunch of the little white ribbons. And, uh, and the, in this installation right now, we do have an eight, eight and a half by eight and a half platform, and the ribbons overflow the platform uh, a couple, at least a couple of feet on both sides and the back. I was uh, looking at one of the first iterations of this work. Did you start it in 2016? Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that's, um, I was talking with you about one of the first Nasher Prize laureates, uh, Doris Salcedo. Correct. um, Just sort of looking at the connections between your works. Um, You're both um, have connections to Columbia. Correct. And in that very first image of the work it's you know just this tiny desk with maybe enough ribbons that you could hold in your hands but now it's uh expanded Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about the work in so many ways it's a very sad work it's you know uh, not the work itself but but what he represents Uh, as you mentioned in 2016 um when i first had this this work done basically what you had was just a handful or maybe about two square foot worth of ribbons. And since then, I have been adding ribbons uh, periodically as shootings happen or massacres have happened around the world. And I've been just, I grab a handful of ribbons and I create some of them. Um, You can see some of the video recordings of myself doing it periodically. These, uh, the video is installed in this, 
exhibition right now, I've, I see, I've seen it cycle through from your studio to another place. Exactly. Yeah. So it's throughout my house, yes. So, so every time that something like that happens, I grab a f and, and I create some of them. The cool thing about it is that every time that I bring the installation out, I really don't know how big it's going to look like. So for the installation here, the Nasher, not knowing how much ribbons there were going to be, right. that's why we decided to do the platform because we thought we were going to have kind of this outline space for the ribbons so they wouldn't get lost in this large space. But as I continued to add more of the ribbons that I had, by the point that I had finished what I had expected, all of a sudden I had an extra box of ribbons. And that was extremely surprising. Those are those moments as an artist uh, that where the work's talking back to you. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. I still actually get goosebumps every time I think about it because it is extremely sad because of the content of the work when I'm having to add an additional box. And I'm talking about a big box yeah. of ribbons, uh, which now it's what overflows from this platform. Yeah, and we should say that um, in talking with you about your work in general and this work, like each ribbon represents uh, just sort of like a physical manifestation of uh, a thought lives. and a prayer. A yeah, thought and a, a prayer. And a prayer, because uh, what you've described in uh, your writing about this work is that um, these gestures can be uh, woefully inadequate. Correct. In yeah, very hollow, yeah. very, very hollow. Yeah, exactly. And um, it came from a frustration. Honestly, this work came from a frustration of kind of hearing these things over and over again uh, after so many atrocities. Coming from Colombia, we, we are aware of the violence. We live with it. Uh, that's part of the reason why I moved to the United States. It's kind of for my family to kind of separate from that. And then here in the United States, once again, I was brought face-to-face -to, -face to violence in so many ways when the Wedgwood shooting happened here in Fort Worth. Uh, but it wasn't until 2016 and that kind of time period we were having kind of back-to-back -back massacres yeah. and all this pouring of thoughts and prayers that really got me up going on to trying to figure out how to do it. So the ribbons became, uh, like you said, a physical manifestation of this very hollow action that, we, uh, you know, that without any real action behind it, uh, mm -hmm. no matter how many ribbons I have, no matter how many thoughts and prayers there are in the world, there's no change on you know, the violence that exists out there. Yeah, uh, in my own work, like using my other hat as an artist, uh, I too have explored um, just sort of the, the what seems like the never-ending violence. Uh, in my case, uh, focusing on police brutality and killings across America, uh, which kind of was accentuated uh, in the summer of this year. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I appreciate about what you're doing here is something that you touched on in our interview like four years, five years ago, mm -hmm. um, where your work doesn't have a physical connection to like violent images mm -hmm. or, you know, like this overt, like someone walking in here will only see a desk and ribbons. And it's uh, not until they watch some of the videos and um, read some of what you've written 
can they get the full scope of mm -hmm. what you're doing here? And I think that um, if I remember correctly, uh, you said something back then about how you connected with what Doris Salcedo was doing by uh, showing respect for um, the real lives that are affected by this violence by handling the subject matter with care and with uh, how how careful you are in creating this work. Doris and Sarah and I kind of look at violence uh, from two different perspectives but in a very similar manner. Um, there's no need to show the violence. There's no need to show the gore. We're all around it, unfortunately. We could see it um, in some cases here in the state, not as much as we would in other countries, but um, it is not important to show the violence. It's important to kind of grab the emotions right. that, that that brings. And, and the other thing for me that's important with my work in particular is not only be aware of the violence and, and the hypocrisy and the abuse of power and all these other themes that I work with, but to create some kind of question in your mind of what you what are you doing about it? You know, yeah. action to me, a call for action is always in my work present. I want people to question yourself, your, your moral standing and so forth, and then figure out what are you doing in some way to, you know, hopefully to change. Yeah. So that's, that's where my work kind of diverts from, from Doris, it's all settles. Yeah, and um, I've seen your work over the years and it uh, presents itself in uh, multiple ways, uh, particularly in sculpture, and I consider this installation a sculpture as For well. Sure. Um, but you've also created a series of works with really uh, tiny, uh, is it bronze figures? or mm -hmm. the, Yeah, bronze figures. And then you've even created things like making a, am I remembering correctly, like making a dress out of butterfly wings? Correct, uh-huh. Yeah, tell me a little bit about um, how your, how these themes in your work connect from uh, various objects and uh, installations and give me, a, even more examples of how um, how these themes are physically represented in your work. Yeah, and and it all all that comes down to something interesting about me. Um, I have a very good connection to insects. <laughs> okay. And believe it or not, everything in my work begins with looking at them. Um, whether it is aesthetics, whether it's the way they organize, whether it's the way we treat them. Mm -hmm. um, everything around my work actually begins with looking at them. So Why the, is that? Uh, growing up in Colombia, we have uh, a plethora of insects of different sizes, and mm -hmm. they tend to, to come into our, our you know, spaces. And they, I've always just had this connection to them. And, and at one point in my artistic career, where I was at TCU, um, a professor actually, uh, camp told me, you know, like, what are you connecting to, you know, that can give you some inspiration. And insects was one, that one thing that I did gravitate towards. Yeah. So then I started looking at my, uh, what I wanted to say, you know, socially. And yeah. I started seeing a relationship between military at that point mm -hmm. and insects. And then, uh, and as, as I continued to grow artistically and realizing what I was doing, 
I also realized that we have a very apathetic relationship to insects. We're disconnected with them. And it reminds me a lot of how we treat each other in many ways. You know, we all have killed an insect that comes into our space without any empathy or sympathy. Right. So I connect that as well as how we interact with each other. Besides that, then there's all the elements like plurality. So mm -hmm. if you look in here, we have this, this mounds of, of ribbons. Yeah. And it speaks to the plurality of, of insects as well. Um, and in so many other cases, you also have the scale of my work. So mm -hmm. if you look at different, uh, like the, the size of the humanoids you were talking about in, in France, yeah. they are insect size, and they're treated like insects, specimens, and those kinds of things. Yeah, I, you'd have a very sort of a taxidermic, I don't know if that's the uh, <laughs> right terminology for uh, categorizing Entomology, insects. yeah. Entomology, okay. Exactly. So yeah, uh -huh. it, uh, it's very scientific. You have little jars, you have pins mm -hmm. uh, on little cushions and things like that. And you have it here as well. So, so the ribbons are tied with the same pins that you would use for insects and in plurality, as I mentioned. But also the magnifying glass and the light are very much part of the concept of uh, you know, treating something with this uh, behind a magnifying glass yeah. and also the light. Uh, people get attracted to wanting to see through the glass, kind of like you know, an insect would be attracted to the light. Right. Uh, so all of those elements are, are undertones of my work. Yeah. Um, so that's what, in some ways, ties all of the kind of the different manners that I explore uh, sculpture. So. Yeah, and uh, you pointed out that the work changes every time you exhibit it, mm -hmm. and you will be adding to. Uh, the volume that we see in front of us now. Um, mm -hmm. Today is October 23rd. It's a Friday, uh, mm -hmm. kind of cold in Dallas. And, uh, <laughs> Which is change. weird to say, but yes, it is say. chilly today. Um, but the, the work is installed in um, what used to be, and is temporarily closed, the Nasher um, shop, mm -hmm. uh, which when you enter the, the building, uh, it's just to the left of the main entrance. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity to engage with the work as we're all trying to social distance. Um, so you, it, the work is viewable through the, the Nasher windows from the street level. It, and for me, that kind of, it's like a meta experience because you're here with uh, light scrutinizing things on a really macro level and then uh, you're gonna give audiences uh, the opportunity to see you working on the pieces as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, but back to the, uh, the theme of the work. Um, in the way that you express that uh, thoughts and prayers can be so, uh, fall so short in um, either curbing violence or uh, fully expressing the, the loss that violence creates. Uh, how do you justify or reconcile the, the process of art making uh, in speaking to violence? Because in some ways it, it feels like people coming into this museum um, or watching it from the street uh, may only see this and then nothing else and the violence continues. To echo Ai Weiwei and Doris and a few other artists, you know, they, we have a responsibility as an artist 
to bring about questions that are very uncomfortable. Our job is to take those uncomfortable questions and put them in a manner that is palpable, but at the same time engaging that requires a person to engage with and hopefully go further down with the artwork. I, am, I truly hope that by creating something that's aesthetically interesting, both because of the materials or whatever else, yeah. that people engage long enough to start seeing that and maybe reading a little bit about the work and, and hopefully at that point get to that, right? But if it doesn't get to that point, I'm realistic enough to know that at least I am creating something in some ways that asks some other questions. Uh, but at least the intent is there to where it, it's a big question mark. Or what's the point of all these ribbons, right? And in, at the end, that's all they see is ribbons. Well, that's what they are. They're ribbons, period, right? But behind it, there's more. And and I kind of, I, I, you know, as you work in the same body of work, it's kind of thematic of social justice and, 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 and kind of put, putting your work out there in that matter. Just kind of have to be faithful to the work and, and hope that what you're saying resonates and does get to the point where you want the work to be at. Why I'm asking you this question about the work, because I think it's, um, we're, we're not naive in thinking that um, experiencing an artwork um, is going to stop something as chaotic as violence. But I think, um, Artists can ask questions and, uh, yeah, force us to look. One of the things that is important is that there has to be different approaches to the same problem in order to find solutions. So we artists are part of one of the possible solutions that that conversation can be created. So, yes, it might not be as overt as being a journalist and recording, you know, and showing people violence in their faces and ask questions directly. Uh, you and I are part of a different kind of way of asking the same questions, of bringing that, uh, hopefully, uh, bringing people to that same kind of facing the reality of violence and hopefully, you know, getting there. But but we are part of a different conversation. It would be really sad if we, were next, we weren't around and then people would have to find kind of questions and, and answers to those questions in different ways too, so. Yeah, and it's a conversation that I've had with uh, fellow artists, um, especially um, over the summer when we were all at that point, you know, you, you speak of how this work comes out of uh, frustration with seeing the same thing happen over and over and uh, no real solutions um, coming. And I, yeah, I think we were all at that point this summer, and some of us <laughs> have been repeatedly at this point, but um, I think it's important to um, just sort of do something, and I, I see that in, in what you're doing. And, and violence is one of those things that did. Whether it's the kind of violence I am kind of, I, I attach this work to, or the violence that you attach your work with to, um, Violence is violence, yeah. And there's still pain, and there's still all these uh, things that are similar. Uh, so even though my work does not directly uh, is talking about the loss of life of, that you guys were discussing during the summer, 
in some ways it still does, and, and, and I hope that it does resonate, hopefully in some of those in that manner as well, you know? Yeah, and I don't think when we um, create work as artists, we can uh, fully realize or fully contemplate what the uh, the range of experience no, is going to be around it. Correct. It 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 grows and it uh, recontextualizes itself um, to the degree where it feels like it was made for a specific thing in a specific time, and I think that's the value of work like this. Uh, you know, in other media as well, like music and uh, film where you know we're looking at violence violent actions i I'm, i can think of uh you know listening to richard pryor's uh comedy from the early 70s like 72 74 where he's talking about um his interaction with police brutality and you know when we see things happen like in 2020 uh and think that it's just sort of recent or it's not that big of a problem and we <laughs> go back generations. I listen to a lot of kind of 80s rap and, and, and it's funny to kind of hear this exactly the same kind of conversation. I'm thinking this has been 20 some odd years since this was made, you know, or you know, actually more than that at this point. But you know what I mean? It, it, like you said, it's, 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 these things are unfortunately are still relevant, unfortunately, are still very, very, very relevant. And the, the, the hypocrisy is still there as well, where we can recognize things and, and, and say that we're going to do one thing, like, you know, yeah. this, and then we do completely the opposite, and that's something else that is part of our work. And, and it just, just uh, the abuse of power as well, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. specifically with, with the inadequacies of our society when mm -hmm. it comes down to people in power. Uh, things like that so yeah I mean and it's if this year has taught us nothing else is that um, if we don't start addressing things uh, like climate uh, or police brutality or violence in general um, it's not an insurmountable um, task because it's it's here and we have tools to to address it. And like with everything else, if everybody puts in a little bit, we can make a lot. We we can make big waves. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, uh, talking about how different, <laughs> or maybe how the same this year has been. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like um, how are you? How is your practice changing uh, under quarantine? My body of work tends to take a long time to work, to, to, to become something. Uh -huh. Normally, I put something in my sketchbook and that stays there for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard for me to all of a sudden create something or as a response to something happening right now because I don't think I quite understand what's happening right at that moment. Of course. I, I might have emotional responses to it at the moment, but I have to let it kind of sink in before I act on creating objects. 
with that said, as a social commentary type of artist, people look at you for, okay, it's time for you to make art because this is happening. So right. I've, had to ha I've had to have this kind of conversations with me of, of responsibility, as I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. of creating artwork that is relevant, fresh right now, that is speaking to the times, while at the same time looking at what I've had in my sketchbook and the things that I might have left in there that could be said right now. And that's how I've been approaching this year. So I created the flags at the beginning of the year. Tell me about the flags. Um, I created three flags, uh, and they are um, uh, tributes. They're called, they're called tributes, and they came from uh, responses to three things that I saw during the very beginning of the pandemic. The very first one, and the one that really triggered this, was the um, idea that the lives of the elderly were okay to be uh, for the yeah. sake of the economy. You know, so money, and and that really put an, uh, uh, an image on my head, right? Yeah. The kind of this, this, the value of a life versus uh, money, economy. So, so I thought, you know, how to produce that. So I created the the flags with uh, faux uh, money, mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood style. So it looks very much like real money. Yeah. And if I would have had money, uh, you know, if I would have been a much wealthy artist, <laughs> yeah, I would actually would have used, used I would have actually used money. And at one point, I even thought about using my twelve hundred dollar from by uh, stimulus packet, then you know, checked in order to to put it on the flags. But I wasn't needing the cash. Anyway, so anyway, so I did that, and that was in response to it, and and it had those 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 qualities. And then right after that is when I saw. Um, we had, uh, it was, I forgot what city it was, but we saw in the, in, in the news all these people with, all these guys with guns going into a government building and, mm -hmm. and standing up as patriots, um, basically not wanting to wear the mask and stuff like that. Once right. again, devaluing people's life for their own. So I thought, okay, this is another time to create a flag, and this one has camouflage and uh, material with, with the money. Yeah. And the last one of the three tributes uh, was in direct kind of response to, I forgot the gentleman's name that was shot while he was running. Yeah. I, um, I forgot his name. But anyways, I, I still have that image in my head. As I'm talking, I can see the video. And I, once again, I'm getting goosebumps. I could not believe it. It's like, you know, and so I figured I need to say something with that as well. Because yeah. it comes down, once again, to money. So I created a third flag. This one, I make sure that the whole thing was completely white. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, um, I'm hoping that it kind of resembles the, the cloth of Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. And then instead of stars and stripes, uh, you would see insects and in the other ones, which was uh, butterflies, ants. And in this one, I had wasps okay. and the swastika. And I love the fact that at the beginning of the year, we had the the hornets uh -huh. that were coming in, kind Northern of invading. Hornets. Exactly. So I was like, <laughs> this is perfect. I, I can use the, the acronym WASP with the with the um, swastikas and into this context to talk about three different things that are in some ways related to the temperature of our country and where we're at when we devalue humans based on the economy and where we perceive ourselves to be versus the actual value of an individual yeah. and that person's life. So that's where those three tributes came from. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I've been doing this, doing this, this year. I, I have other, body, other things coming up for next year. What do you have down uh, for next year? I have a brand new solo show coming up. Um, I'm not going to say where yet. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it is going to be, thematically, is going to be uh, about um, butterflies, actually. I'm, I'm connecting how 
um, awful the concept of having a butterfly on a wall is. It's, yeah. it's this death thing that's supposed to be beautiful and it's behind glass because normally when we are in nature, if you have a butterfly touch you, you scream. Yeah. You know, so you want to have this otherness behind glass and dead and you prefer it to be that way rather than in real life and go and see it and experience it. So I'm taking that concept and touching it to how we as a community or as a society worldwide, when it comes down to the migrant, the poor, and the minorities, how we want to keep them behind glass, how we want to keep them there, and even dead, even preferably dead than than, uh, around us. So I'm taking those two concepts and merging them together into an installation, uh, another um, performance piece, and a few other things. Well, Bernardo, it has been a pleasure um, reconnecting with you and talking Mm -hmm. about your work. Congratulations on being the inaugural uh, Nasher Public Artist. Thank you. And we will look forward to your mysterious show (laughs) in the fall in 2020. 2021. 2021. Let's get it out of 2020. (laughs) We need to. Christopher, it's it's always a pleasure talking to you. I I really appreciate it. I missed you here in DFW, but I'm glad to see you today. All right. Thank you, Bernardo.